Welcome to Compliance Beat, the podcast for compliance and ethics professionals. We provide practical insights and answer your questions about compliance and ethics. Together, we'll stay up to date on current trends so that your program stays effective. Brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Here's your host, Eric Moorhead. The question this time is, who should be involved in our code of conduct review? This is something that comes up quite frequently, a question I get asked a lot. I Obviously, as you all know, if you look at the podcasts that I put out over the last eight or nine months, and if you see me speaking anywhere, I talk about code a lot. And for those of you that are <laughs> saying, hey, talk about something other than code, the reason I talk about it a lot is because I get a lot of questions about it. One of the things I've talked about in the past is about the process when you're going through a code revision about assembling the team and that having a cross-functional team is really important. Recently, I've gotten some questions saying, well, you know, you've talked broadly about that. You've talked about having a cross-functional team, having people in different parts of the operational aspects of the organizations, people who are international. But that seems unwieldy to me. That seems like that's, you know, kind of the whole ocean. And I don't know how we're going to be able to do that. Well, as with everything, there's there's not a one-size-fits-all. And I think when you're considering who's going to be involved in the process beyond you. Presumably you're the compliance officer or responsible for compliance and responsible for the code of conduct, ultimately. There are some threshold questions to ask about what you're planning to do that may help you determine who should be involved. I think an important threshold question to ask is what are the internal resources available for actually doing the job? There's not a whole lot of sense in going out and kicking up dust and getting a lot of people involved when you yourself or the legal department or the compliance department or the audit department or whomever is ultimately responsible for the code doesn't have the resources to actually project manage this and move it forward. So a threshold question is, is this something you're going to do internally? Or are you going to go out and find somebody like me or another organization, a law firm, whomever, to help you with either all or part of the project? And that's sort of question 1A is, are you going to do some of it internally, but some of it externally? Are you going to revise the text internally, but then go outside to have the design? Or are you, do you want somebody to help you with the content, but you have internal communications who you want to loop in, who have resources and time to do the project internally? And that's important, right? Uh, you know, Not only identifying people who have the skill set to help you with different parts of this project, but do they actually have the time? I say it over and over again, and it's really true. When I get brought in to help people with their code of conduct, it's very rarely because they couldn't do it themselves. They they didn't have the knowledge or the skills or the expertise, and oftentimes had even had internally the graphic designers and expertise that could, could, could put together a really beautiful code of conduct. It's all about time and resource. Their internal comms department doesn't have the time to do it. They can't set aside you know, the hours that it would take over the next six months to actually get it done. They would do a beautiful job. They can they can maybe help by providing the photography that that will be used within the code of conduct, but they don't have the time to actually sit in front, you know, front of the computer with the InDesign files and go back and forth with the team about what makes the most sense in laying out and designing the code of conduct. There's 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 hours involved in those sorts of things. And so when you're identifying people internally, the, the threshold question is, what do you expect them to do? Do you expect them just to weigh in and give their opinion and you know, attend a couple of meetings or phone calls and you know, maybe occasionally take a look at 
some text or occasionally take a look at some design elements and give their opinion? Or do you expect them to be involved? Do you expect them to be providing time and resources and effort to get the job done? You need to know that going in. I think that it's oftentimes this is where the the projects end up starting but never really coming to fruition because oftentimes, particularly lawyers, I like to beat up on lawyers, uh, as you know, we lawyers sometimes think that this is the sort of thing that we can do in our downtime, which we don't have. <laughs> that, 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 that a project like updating the code of conduct is something that's a gig that can be done during, during the lunch break and the coffee, coffee break over a period of a few weeks. And that's not really the case. Not if you're going to be really updating your code of conduct. If you're just going to be changing the name of the CEO on the CEO letter, that's all, if that's all you really want to do, <laughs> then certainly that's something that can be done in a few minutes. But that's not really updating a code of conduct. So, so this threshold question of who gets involved is what do you, what their expectation, what the expectation are the expectations for them to do? Are you expecting them to actually help you rewrite, actually help you design it, translate it, or at least review translations, market it, communicate about it, roll it out? There are a lot of things that have to be done with a, with a new code of conduct or a revised code of conduct. And that's the important first question is, what are your expectations? If you just want them to weigh in, then you can start formulating how you're going to have them weigh in. If you want them to actually do something, including project management and, and herding all of those cats, then you need to make sure that, that those resources are available internally. The second question is, what's happened in the past? What are the expectations? What will fly internally? Oftentimes, these sorts of revisions and reviews get bogged down in drafting, particularly with organizations that have a lot of legal stakeholders. Again, like like to beat up on lawyers. If you have a dozen different attorneys who have subject matter expertise on the dozen different risk topics that are in your code of conduct, and you expect them to do a red line on the text that's going to be a full-time job managing that process. So the second question to ask beyond what are the internal resources and what are my expectations is what's been done in the past, what are their expectations? Do they expect that they're going to have the final say on the language of the anti-corruption section of your code of conduct if they're the anti-corruption subject matter expert? And perhaps they know everything there is to know about uh, anti-corruption. That's great, and it's great that you have that kind of resource. But are they really best at deciding how to communicate that complex and sometimes convoluted issue to the average Joe and Jane that's the stakeholder that needs to understand it from your code of conduct? You know, if you've got an anti-corruption section in your code of conduct that is between two and three pages long, that's too long. I don't care how significant a risk anti-corruption is for your organization. If it's that long, there's some Byzantine language in there constructed by that lawyer or lawyers that is not going to be necessary or comprehensible in some cases to, to the population you're trying to reach, for example. So, so the second question to ask is, what are the expectations there from the internal stakeholders? And, and do you need to manage those expectations? And sometimes bringing in a third party from the outside is a good way to diffuse those expectations if you don't want to be the bad cop in that situation. So that's a second question to ask about who should be involved and how they should be involved. 
And then the last question, sort of threshold question, there's many things you need to do in preparation, but the sort of threshold question is, what are your goals here? What do you want to get done? Do you just want to change the cover so that it looks like it's a new code of conduct? Or do you really want to attack that document that has been sitting on the shelf for 10 years and is about 5,000 words too long, has been over-lawyered, and doesn't really serve the purpose that you want it to, to communicate in a crisp and functional way to your population. If, if you really want to do something like that, then you need to know that going in, because that's going to determine who you select to help you. Because, again, you don't want to select the same old team who maybe has an attachment to that 20,000-word code of conduct that they drafted 10 years ago. Maybe you need to bring in new faces or maybe you need to reset expectations for the old fo- the old participants so that they understand what you're trying to do. So setting your goals will really help you determine who should be on that team and who should be involved in the process. If you're trying to go in a different direction, then you need some support. You need people on that team that share your vision for what the code of conduct ought to be if it's not there already. If that's not the case, if you're, you know, just doing a light update, then perhaps, you know, it is the usual suspects that need to be on that short list that you're talking to because you're not planning to do that. But if you're planning to do something radical, then you need some allies and you need to figure out who those allies are in the different parts of the operation and management of the organization, including the board of directors, by the way. If there are Board of directors members that you know because of your relationship with them, whether it's the chair of the audit committee or the or, or, or members of the compliance committee or whomever, that you know come from another organization that has the kind of code of conduct that you want. Well, that's a great ally to have from the, from the very top of the organization. So consider what your goals are, and and from that you can determine sort of the short list of who ought to be on the team. So the upshot this time is. When you're asking who should be involved in the code review, you need to ask a few threshold questions. First of all, do you expect this to be an internal process? Do you have the resources? Is, do your resources have the time that they need to do what is necessary to get the code of conduct revised? Second, what are the expectations of those internal resources? What's happened in the past? You need to know the history so that you can move forward. And lastly, what are your ultimate goals here? Are you looking to completely remake your code of conduct? If so, you need some allies. And those allies may not necessarily be the usual suspects who have had their fingerprints all over that code of conduct in the past. Thanks for listening to Compliance Beat. Check out our website, compliancebeat.com. This podcast is brought to you by Moorhead Compliance Consulting. Be sure to check us out at moorheadconsulting.com.